Madison Eamond is a photographer who's been building pinhole cameras from clay in Wellington's Kaifodafoda stream. She's been an artist in residence at the Fiti Ordrehua School of Art this year uh, and a Fulbright Scholar at the Massey University College of Creative Arts. Maggie Tweedy started by asking Madison why she was compelled to move from Rhode Island to New Zealand this year. Why Aotearoa, Madison? How did you end up on our side of the world making pinhole cameras out of clay and wrapping film around glowworms? <laughs> um, so I came to Aotearoa because of the legal personhood policies with the Wanganui River, uh, Mount Taranaki and Te Uruera. Um, so those legal policies felt really aligned with the way that I like to work within the context of a photographic practice. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to be here to sort of live in it and get to understand how those policies came to be, which are, you know, deeply rooted in indigenous knowledge systems here. Um, Yeah, yeah. And obviously our legacy is making its way over to the other side of the world, and that's what initially hooked you, which is fascinating, because you're actually from Rhode Island. Yes. And worked for a non-for-profit community arts organisation there. What's the visual arts community like in Rhode Island? The visual arts community in Rhode Island is really strong. Um, It's small. We're the smallest state, but very densely populated. And my experience, like working within that sector in a non-for-profit sort of makerspace um, area, everyone was very generous with their time, knowledge, and skills. And I found that uh, being in Providence, Rhode Island, it was a really easy transition away from being an undergrad and having all of that support from techs and lecturers to this place where people just really want to see you succeed. So yeah, I feel really lucky to have landed there. You had that formal training in photography at university and it's quite an interesting twist in your story. I would have assumed that you would have gone into either a more digital or film path of photography. What compelled you to strip it all back? I think I felt this tension in my own work when I was making traditional photographs early on in my degree, um, where I didn't think that the images I was making was successfully communicating those sort of spiritual undertones that I felt when I was out with the land. So I wanted to find a process that could better articulate that feeling and communicate that to the people encountering my work. And we work and we live in such a digital space and it is such a visual world that we live in as well. So you must interrogate that question quite a lot. Yeah, I definitely get questions of like, why photography? Why is photography the medium for you to, um, yeah, interrogate this question of like, how can art better recognize the sentience of land? And I think photography is a really powerful tool because even though, you know, there's these age-old debates of is photography a subjective or objective medium, and we've decided it's subjective firmly, but it still holds that sense of awe and truth. So when you see an image that holds so much power, that feels a lot more emotional in color, that has these really beautiful formal qualities and wasn't completely dictated by a human hand, I think that's a really transformative encounter. You are a Fulbright Scholar in residence at Mass University College of Creative Arts here in Wellington. And the work you are doing now is very much informed by work you experimented with in your thesis. What on earth is a clam cam? (laughs) So a clam cam is a clamshell that I turned into a light-tight environment, loaded 35mm film into it, and then allowed the clam to make an exposure. 
Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of like New Zealand's version of the pippy, which we dig up from the sand, put in a pot of boiling water and nibble on, but you've used exactly. it as a vessel for photos? Yeah, yeah. And quahogs, like, there's definitely a long tradition in Rhode Island. Like, it was a really important food source for mm-hmm. indigenous folks in that area and still is. Um, and now it is something that, you know, I grew up looking for, digging my feet in the sand, um, picking up quahog clamshells, putting them on the grill, eating them fresh, you know, right from the sea. And yeah, they've been a really important part of, like, my childhood. So, yeah, just excited to work with those clams. They're really wonderful little beings. <laughs> You've made many of the photos that you're working with at night. What materials do you use to build the images that you're producing? Yeah, so when I'm building the pinhole cameras, um, I do build them during the day. So when I'm in the awa, I look for places where light is touching the water. So, um, I mean, the the Kaifarafara awa is really lucky in that it is enshrouded in really well-protected and well-loved regenerating an old growth forest. So it's a very dark environment underneath that forest canopy. So those little opportunities where you see a break in the canopy and see the light touching the water felt like a really magical and important um, space for me to be working in. So you're literally being guided by where nature's taking you. Absolutely. In yeah. terms of light. Definitely. Yeah, the light is the is the guiding force, the mm. awa and the light together. So I find that location and then I look around at what materials are present and typically I use stones, a mix of clay and sand and soil, um, all things that have already you know fallen away from the land because of slips or rain. Um, and yeah, using those materials to create a light tight environment that then can create an image. So the the key piece of material is mamaku or black tree fern, those thick fronds that they have that fall away. Those um, are really dense, so they're very light proof. So I usually poke a little tiny hole inside the inside a little um, piece of the frond, and then that creates the little tiny aperture that's the size of like a toothpick head um, that sits right on top of the camera, is sealed in with mud and rocks, and that is where the light comes in to create the image. So the film is sitting right in the bottom of the camera, which I have to load in at night, um, seal it up with rocks and clay, and then retrieve it the following night. Um, But the film sits in the bottom of the camera and then it allows the awa to sort of flow over the film as the image is being taken and enables her to photograph the canopy right above her. Mm, And you're using her. Yeah, yeah. I use she, her pronouns for the awa. I think um, I try to make an effort to use pronouns that imply sentience. I think there's some limits with the English language as to how we refer to our other kin, you know, in our world. So yeah, I choose she, her. I think she definitely has a feminine energy to me. I think water um, is a really feminine element on this planet. Uh, It's a vessel for creation. And I think about amniotic fluid and, you know, all of these things that are associated with that. So yeah, she, her feels right um, as opposed to he, him. Mm, it sounds them. like you, you're really thinking about it from a kind of a nourishing perspective. Absolutely. Wellington doesn't really have a very good track record for protecting our streams. We've concreted on top of them, mm. channeled them into other directions and mm. piped beneath them. What made you interested in the Kaifarafara stream specifically? Yeah, the Kaifarafara, as I previously mentioned, like there's a lot of love that goes into the care around that awa. Um, 
And the most recent example in the past few years, there's been a crew of folks who have been advocating for the AWA to receive legal personhood. So in the beginning of this, of this project, I consulted um, a couple members of that team and some folks over at Zealandia about the work and the project and if this would be something that um, would make sense for the AWA and like in, in the greater context of all of this other mahi. Um, yeah, and then so that's what kind of started started the journey. But yeah, definitely trying to get back in alignment with what that sort of um, legal framework could imply for our relationship to, to the Fenua. What are you tapping into and trying to evoke from those viewing your photographs? How do they respond when they see them? Usually, I think pretty successfully, people are amazed, you know, like there's this real sense of an experience of awe which is exactly what I want. I think awe is a really powerful emotional experience that really shifts the way that we perceive and interact with the world around us. So trying to create a moment where folks can really understand and feel the sentience of that place through an image. We're such an image-based culture um, that having those really recognizable and digestible signs of other life, of other ways of perception, um, yeah, it's like very cool and just, yeah. <laughs> uh, the photos are very textured, they're mm. colourful but not in like a really bright way but more of a natural way mm. and they're nice and soft as well. Yeah. Can you explain what you think they look like? Yeah, I think they look softly psychedelic. I think that they really tap into a separate way of perceiving that is beyond our typical um, physical uh, function, I guess. <laughs> um, it's tapping into a metaphysical realm that um, is very emotional. They're, they make me very emotional, the images, because they're so surprising. Like, I find them to be incredibly beautiful. And it's funny, when I talk about this work, um, I think when I'm showing images that I created with a traditional camera apparatus or a drawing or anything that's further dictated by my hand, um, I'm not as like celebratory or like, this is amazing. This looks incredible. But these images, because they feel so out of my control and they're just as surprising to me as they are to you and any viewer, um, I just find them to be really, really beautiful. Yeah, mm. I just, I love them. <laughs> Your acting is kind of a channel for nature. Yeah, I definitely see my role to be one of a facilitator, for sure. Mm, that's quite an interesting perspective and a real shift in the way that we think about photographer and subject as yeah. well. Where can people go and see your work? Yeah, so I have an exhibition coming up. It's opening on... Thursday, October 12th from 6 to 8 p.m. And I'm also doing an artist talk. Um, this is all at 26 Gallery in Newtown on Constable Street. Uh, and I'll also be doing a, an artist talk that will be facilitated by The Handmade Darkroom. Um, and that will be on Saturday, October 14th from 2 to 3 p.m. Go along if you can, if you are in the Wellington region. And how much longer are you here for? And, and what do you want to fill the rest of your time in Wellington with? Yeah, I am here through mid-December and I am going to be moving an hour up the coast to live on my advisor's farm. And I owe her another project with her Fenua up there. So looking forward to living on the Hora Fenua coast and yeah, getting into some restored wetland areas and a restored stream system and yeah, contributing to that research project. Great place to grow a garden too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, best soil, best soil in the country. Thanks, Madison. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, that's Madison Eamon there with uh, Maggie Tweedy talking about her exhibition coming up here in Pornicky.